Well, good day and welcome to The Lyle Shelton Show. It's great to have your company. This week, I want to explore some controversial legislation that uh, passed in the ACT Legislative Assembly just at the end of August. Uh, I've got a special guest to unpack all that. And later on in the program, I'll be talking with Karina Ocatel, uh, a Liberal Party member from Victoria who's been in the news. And uh, I want to drill down to what's fact and what's fake about Karina's story if you've been following uh, her tra travails through the Australian newspaper. But first, as I said, I, I have a special guest on the program, a good friend of mine, uh, Mark Spencer, who is the Director of Public Policy for Christian Schools Australia. And uh, there's no one better place to tell us about uh, a very disturbing piece of legislation that passed uh, in Canberra uh, in the ACT Legislative Assembly affecting Canberrans. And uh, this is something which I think reverberates around the country and goes to the heart of parents' rights, uh, goes to the heart of the discussion that we're having in this nation about gender, about what it means to be a boy or a girl for children or male or female, this whole gender-fluid ideology which has uh, really gathered ahead of steam uh, since the passing of same-sex marriage, since marriage was degendered back in 2017. Mark, welcome to The Lyle Shelton Show. Uh, pleasure, Lyle, and thanks, thanks for having me. And I see, I see your wonderful book there behind you and can I encourage all of your readers to go out and buy two copies. I mean, I did. It's a, it's a great read. You've got to have one for yourself, one for your friend, probably one for the country as well. So get three. Mark, um, what, what can I say? Uh, and just to, you know, our viewers and listeners, I, I didn't set Mark up to that, but uh, it just shows what a great friend he is. But uh, I, I could not disagree with that, Mark. Thank you for that shameless plug of my book. It's available at lyleshelton.com.au in case anyone was wondering. But, uh, Mark, uh, it really is great to have you here. Um, I, I wish we were talking uh, in more happier circumstances. Uh, I think what's happened in the ACT could well be a chapter in my next book potentially. But uh, this is a piece of legislation uh, designed to stop so-called conversion therapy. Um, and, and when people think about that, they think of perhaps the Russell Crowe movie with Nicole Kidman, A Boy Erased, you know, this whole thing of terrible practices that maybe some religious communities in the United States and the Deep South did years ago to try and turn kids from being gay into heterosexual and the like. That's the sort of thing that I think um, the ACT was trying to evoke, but that's not really what this was about, is it? No, it's, it's not what this has ever been about. And, and those practices were, were really part of mainstream psychiatry more than, more than uh, religious practices in you know, right, middle of right. last century. So, so why are religious people pinned with this? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've, got, we've been tarred with this. And, and certainly there were some groups, in the, in the, particularly in the US, and a small number of groups who, who would have encouraged people to go down that path and seek that sort of therapy. But that sort of practice, that, that sort of abhorrent practices that no one's supporting. Uh, and there's now, no there is evidence. no one in Australia who would be supporting that now. And that's right. And there was no evidence that these sort of things were happening anywhere in Australia, uh, despite um, the urgency with which this was pushed by Andrew Barr, the Chief Minister. Yeah, I mean, this bill was, was introduced uh, in three seeing days before the end of the parliamentary term. Um, their aim was to actually introduce a one, uh, the third last thing day and pass it the second last. It was only when you know, thousands of Canberrans wrote to the, the, uh, their MLAs, contacted the MLAs officers, started to raise concerns about this, that they actually paused and introduced safeguard amendments, which really did nothing, but that at least gave the appearance of, of listening. 
So, so Mark, just let's just go to that consultation process. This very controversial piece of legislation, which really is a, a nothing burger. It's, it's no one's doing this sort of thing. No one's trying to oppress young same-sex attracted people uh, in this way. Um, now, it was sort of smuggled in under the cover of COVID, wasn't it, during the lockdown? Uh, and, and that was sort of, you know, what happened to the consultation process um, as part of that? Yes, well, because of COVID, they claimed they, they couldn't undertake the normal consultation process. They had selected stakeholders be invited to, to make responses. Um, mind you, they can, they can uh, do, do uh, consultation, public consultations on uh, planning and, and a range of other matters as well. But on this one, they couldn't do a full public consultation. Um, now, we found out about that, raised the alarm with a number of other groups, and there was a fairly strong uh, number of people who, who made feedback to those consultations and really challenged the, the basic assumptions that were being put out by the government in this in this uh, you know, in this proposal, but of course the problem here is that they they use that broad language of conversion therapy, which the devil is in the detail. They talk that that talk, but when you actually read what's in the act, when it finally comes to the, the a bill, what you've got is a definition that's so broad and so vague. We had legal advice on, on it that, that really was very alarming about the scope of what they what they were going to cover and criminalise by the bill. Let's just talk about that scope, Mark, because um, when people think about conversion therapy and what we just described, you know, if, if people think about the Russell Crowe, Nicole Kidman movie that came out last year and the whole idea of religious people oppressing young, young uh, same-sex attracted people, it, it went far beyond that, didn't it? It, it had some implications for uh, the idea of gender. That was, you know, tell us about that aspect and what was also captured under so-called conversion therapy. Yeah, so we're not just talking about you know, gay conversion as, as that, that that movie might have portrayed. We're talking about uh, sexuality and gender identity conversion. Broadly, from the advice we've got, uh, we, we, uh, when we got the bill, we got legal advice on its possible implications. That would you know, stop, for example, or potentially criminalise parents who might have a five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old, eight-year-old child who says, I want to be uh, you know, the, op the opposite sex. If you're not affirming that, that, that child and their decisions, if they're not using the proper pronouns, assisting them to go down you know, and reinforce that, that gender identity, that's potentially criminalised under this bill. If you've got teachers who might want to teach a biblical view of marriage and, and sexuality, that's potentially criminalised. When you look at, uh, for example, the Healthcare Complaints Commission down in Victoria, when they were looking at uh, similar legislation down there, they described promotion of abstinence or celibacy for same-sex attracted people, which is a, you know, a, a fairly common response by same-sex attracted Christians who want to live a biblically authentic life. They described that as conversion therapy. So you know, these aren't alarmist claims. They're backed up by our legal advice and, and one of our schools got independent legal advice as well and shared the same conclusions. We're talking about, about yes, uh, sorry, a, a definition there that the Law Society in the ACT came out and said was too broad and too encompassing and too vague. Well, well, Mark, there's a whole lot in what you've just said there which should raise big alarm bells for anyone who believes in freedom of speech and freedom of religion and the freedom to choose. Uh, but I just want to go back to what you said right at the start of, of, of uh, that um, explanation you gave us. So you're saying that if five-year-old um, Harry 
comes along to mum and dad and says, I want to be Sally, and mum and dad say, well, look, let's just wait a bit, Harry, and, you know, you might want to make a decision like that when you're a bit older uh, rather than, you know, go on puberty blockers, or cross-sex hormones, or, or even have surgery as some adolescents have done. Uh, that would be potentially criminal under the bill that Andrew Barr, the Chief Minister, has ushered through the ACT Legislative Assembly, am I right? Yeah, it really was a, a an unbelievable time down here. It, you know, in that same period, we had we had the government passing legislation that would allow twelve year olds to, uh, without parental permission, go to ACAT and and they could be approved and authorised to change their sex on their birth certificates. What, what's ACAT? Olds. What's ACAT? Uh, ACAT's the uh, 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 ACT Administrative and Civil uh, Decisions Tribunal. Um, so. Right. You could go so to a 12 year old can go and change their, their gender on the birth certificate without their parents' permission. Yep. They can do it with one parent's permission, or if they can't get either parent to consent, they can go along to ACAT. And they can go along to ACAT and then get the, an authorization for that to happen without any of their, either of their parents being informed of that either. What, what did so parents that, the ACT say when, when they heard about this, or don't they still know? The, most of them didn't know about it. There was a survey done by a group out of uh, Melbourne called Binary, um, discredited or attempted to be discredited as push polling by, by the ACT government and the Greens because they didn't like the results. Um, that just made it very clear that the parents weren't aware of this. Uh, it got rammed through the assembly. You've got, you've got at the same stage as they're allowing 12-year-olds to do that, they're also arguing and considering legislation that would increase the age of criminal responsibility to 14 because younger people you know, can't be responsible. Then you've, you've got this decision-making around changing of gender. And while it's not talking... Now, this legislation isn't directly allowing young people to have medical intervention at those early ages. Once you're on that pathway of uh, social transitioning, puberty blockers, it's almost invariable that that's the end result. Um, well, well, that's right. And pu puberty blockers have side effects, don't they? And, and certainly um, cross-sex hormones can cause infertility. Yeah. They have serious side effects. They're, they're talked about being reversible procedures, um, but really haven't, haven't been trialled in any extended period of time. So we're talking uh, about the watchful waiting process is you know, a, a very careful, considered uh, response to these issues. And those sort of things are potentially criminalised under this ACT law. That's outrageous. I mean, that has been medical consensus for children who are experiencing gender dysphoria, confusion about their, their biological gender. It has been this watch and wait protocol, but now even that um, could be criminalised or is criminalised under this legislation. Yeah. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. It's very, very serious legislation, and you've just got to look at the objects of the Act to know that this, as you know from your experience, Lyle, this, is, this isn't about facts and evidence. This is about ideology and agenda, and agenda being pushed by activists that, that really well, has no, no semblance of reality about it. Well, Mark, you're a, a lobbyist and a very good public policy practitioner. You know parliamentarians both at state and territory and federal level. Um, what did the politicians say to you when you presented... The, the facts of this, A, that conversion therapy doesn't happen, and B, that capturing gender identity in this and criminalising parents and teachers and health professionals is, is not a good idea. What, what did they say to that? I, I mean, I just can't imagine the average person in the street thinking that any of this is a good idea. 
No, and the average person didn't think it was a good idea, but that didn't make any difference to the, the Legislative Assembly. Um, let me just uh, talk about, there was a couple of some of the quotes from the, the, the debate in, in the Assembly about it. You know, they talk about, you know, we also know that thousands of people have been harmed by this practice for decades. No evidence to support that, but that was one of the claims made. We have the opportunity to pass legislation that will protect and save the lives of thousands of Canberrans. Now, there's no evidence this is actually going on. The total number of suicides in the last decade in Canberra was only 456 people. Now, each of those is obviously a tragedy. I'm not making light of that. But to say and to claim that this is going to save thousands of lives, there's just simply no basis for that. There's no evidence for that. It's simply an ideological statement. Uh, and that's the sort of thing that, that uh, you know, gets, uh, gets put out there and, and it's put on the, on the public record. Well, these lies uh, have now created a situation where good people, good parents, good doctors, good counsellors, good teachers could be criminalised for, in good faith, uh, trying to counsel a child in a very reasonable and logical direction. Um, freedom of speech, and freedom of religion way, has been trashed. think about taking your child in the state to do it because you'll get caught for doing that too. That's a criminal offence. Wow. So, so if someone from the ACT went and saw a psychologist in Queensland, uh, they... That's unbelievable. This is really pernicious stuff, and people really need to wake up to what's going on. Uh, uh, Mark, you and I have known each other. We fought in the trenches during the same-sex marriage debate as well. But um, as you know, we said this would happen, that this would be the next thing coming down the road after marriage was degendered, and uh, it was denied at the time, but but here it is. It's, it's happening. Uh, lies are being used to, to usher through this sort of public policy which really does take away the freedoms of parents and and people who have a dissenting view to rainbow political activism it's really quite serious stuff isn't it it is you've got genuine people ordinary mums and dads across canberra who just care about their young people you know and there are issues i mean it's a very complicated world now and, and young people are exposed to a range of pressures and and social media and and you know, influencers who push an agenda that, that we never had in, in, in our day. And it is really tough to grow up as a, a young person in this very sexually confused world. But mm. just allowing people to wait, allowing waiting for people to become adults, to get the maturity to make informed, sensible decisions about these issues, that's, that's a sort of a, a loving, caring, sensible approach that I think most mums and dads across Australia, most people would actually think it was just common sense, just plain sense. It's not a religious bigotry. It's not a you know, particularly religious viewpoint. It's just common sense. And that's the sort well, of thing that's been challenged. You're, you're absolutely right there. Um, we've taken leave of common sense. Um, Mark, as you and I both know, a couple of weeks before this terrible ACT law was rammed through, similar legislation passed the Queensland Parliament, though not as, not as bad as that legislation. Parents aren't criminalised under the Queensland legislation yet. But as we've seen so many times, the ACT has been a laboratory for extremist social policy. And uh, we know that the Victorian government under Daniel Andrews, and if it probably wasn't for COVID, they'd be next cab off the rank with so-called gay conversion therapy laws and, and gender laws, as we've discussed. And, and certainly the other Labor states will follow suit. So this is really something that parents have got to wake up to, good people have got to wake up to uh, all around the nation before this uh, completely overruns our country. Yeah, and and people need to ask questions of their MPs. Now, what do they mean when they say conversion therapy? Mm -hmm. All these terms are just being redefined behind the scenes. 
And I'm sure if you went around to any shopping center, would, would anyone put up their hand and say they want to support conversion therapy? No. Would anyone say they want to care for their young people and support them as they're going through difficult times? Yes, everyone does. Of course. Yeah. But it's this misuse of language. It's, it's this Orwellian doublespeak that's come into the political narrative that, that really is calling black-white, calling mm. night-day. And it's very hard to actually get to the truth in, in all of this. Well, Mark, where does this leave the Christian school movement? Uh, it's a wonderful movement. Uh, I was educated in a Christian school similar to the ones that are a part of your organisation. My children uh, went to Christian schools. I'm so grateful as a parent, and I know my wife is as well, that our kids could be uh, educated in an environment that uh, believes what we believe in the home. Uh, now what we believe in the home is seems to be criminal, um, where does this leave parents uh, and, and grandparents who want to see their kids educated in these wonderful Christian schools now? Yeah. I mean, the only saving grace out of this uh, ACT legislation, I mean, despite all the rush to, to ram it through in the final days of the, of the Assembly, it doesn't actually take effect till March next year. Uh, and we've got a territory election in that time. So we'll certainly be calling upon all Canberrans to, to think about this legislation and, and this government's agendas uh, in some of these areas. We talk about being the most human rights compliant uh, jurisdiction in Australia, yet we just uh, don't follow basic international law when it comes to religious freedoms and freedoms uh, generally. So, you know, we can do better in the ACT. We can actually have a, a proper debate around human rights and what it means to, to be free, to have freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of religion sort of freedoms that, that you know, people have fought and died in two world wars to protect. Um, those sort of freedoms that are fundamental to our democracy, just a basic fair go in Australia. So we've got the chance with, with the election here and in Queensland you've got the chance with the election up there to see if you can change the government and change this law. Uh, you're absolutely right. My concern is that people are not awake enough to these issues. It, that it hasn't sort of hit, the rubber hasn't hit the road as yet. A lot of people would see these as theoretical issues. Uh, it's a real problem. Um, what you've described is, is very, very frightening because we're seeing the left of politics, uh, the rainbow left of politics, wield power in a very brutal way that discards facts, that discards due process, that redefines human rights, that, that is selective about human rights, very happy to trash parents' human rights, which are enshrined in international law, as you said, through the ICCPR, and then uh, just pick and choose the rights that suit their political agenda. Uh, this is um, a very frightening uh, use of raw power here. Yeah, I think uh, the days, unfortunately, of having sensible public policy debate um, seem to be long gone. And mm -hmm. that, that's, a, that's a tragedy for, for all, I think, for our society generally. Um, whether we come up with laws that we'd all agree on or not, I'm not, not quite that naive or idealistic, but yeah. but at least uh, having some commitment to the truth and, and finding out the, the truth. Mm. I mean, a lot of this uh, push has been based on a, a so-called research report from 2018, which is, when you look at the detail, of it, it's, it's, it's counterfactual in a lot yeah. of what it said, making outlandish claims that just aren't supported by the evidence. But uh, let me guess, Mark, do, that, that came out of a... Melbourne University, <laughs> am I right? Uh, yeah, La Trobe University and the Human Trobe. Rights Law Center. It's, it's, well, it's a joint production by an activist group and a, and a very, uh, um, uh, shall we say, tainted uh, or questionable um, uh, research center in the university.
it the is one that produced the, the Safe Schools safe program school. that everyone loves so, loves so much. I was just going to say, unbelievable. Well, Mark, uh, you've been very generous with your time this afternoon. Uh, it would be great if we were discussing uh, things that uh, were more um, joyous, but uh, they're not. The news is bad, and um, I make no apology for bringing that to my audience. Um, I do believe we can turn the tide in Australia, but it's going to take uh, a big awakening and I think conversations like today uh, should sober us all, should send a chill down our spine as to what our politicians are doing. Mark, thanks for what you've done uh, to fight this so well on behalf of such an important sector of our community, the Christian school sector, and uh, thanks for being on the Lyle Shelton Show today. Pleasure, Lyle. Well, welcome back to the Lyle Shelton Show. Uh, really appreciate your company today. My next guest is Karina Ocatel. She's a former Vice President of the Liberal Party of Australia. She's part of the Victorian division down there. And for those of you who are political junkies or have been following Dave Pillow's work on The Good Source, you will have seen uh, Karina as one of the personalities, but also talking about some recent controversies that she's been involved in. Uh, she has been featured in the Australian newspaper quite extensively. John Ferguson, a journalist there, has really taken it upon himself to um, talk about Karina and some controversies with relations to alleged uh, branch stacking, factional power plays and all this sort of stuff. And uh, I've got Karina on the line because I wanted to talk to her in person rather than just taking the word of the media and Karina's a, a long-standing friend. Karina, it's great to have you on the Lyle Shelton Show. Welcome. Oh, it's wonderful to be on. What a privilege. Thank you, Lyle. And it's good to hear that, like myself, you don't just take um, the mainstream media and what's out there as the gospel truth. That's the reason why um, platforms like The Good Source exist. It, it's really so important and uh, we owe our friend Dave Pillow a debt of gratitude mm. for creating this. Uh, and, you know, when I read about you in the in the newspaper uh, in the Australian, it might have been front page, it was very prominently featured over the course of about a week or two, uh, to do with um, a whole lot of things going on in the internals of the Victorian division of the Liberal Party. But you've been singled out and it's been alleged that you've been stacking branches and involved in, in power plays. Um, and now, Karina, you know, you're a friend. Um, that's why I went straight to you. Tell us what the reality of this is. Are you some sort of factional warlord, uh, as has been said uh, in the Victorian division of the Liberal Party? I was very impressed by that title and I thought, oh, that makes me sound very powerful indeed. Um, I wonder where I have the time in between working full time, having three kids, having a fourth one on the way. Um, uh, oh, you know, congratulations. Yeah, no, <laughs> That's great news. You. Well, you heard it here first, folks, on the Lyle Shelton Show. Breaking <laughs> news. Karina Ocatel to be a mum again. Well done. <laughs> Remote learning and all of that going on. Um here in Victoria, where and you know, contributing to the good source, um, where there's a time to be a warlord, but you know, <laughs> obviously, it doesn't take time, according to the Australian newspaper. Um, but yes, I you know, certainly encourage people who share Liberal Party values to get involved. I've you know, always done that. I think it's so important that we have a strong grassroots base, um, an army of volunteers to be able to defeat the Labor Party. That is, you know, what I want to see happen, particularly here in Victoria under these current circumstances. I think there's no greater motivation. But, you know, I even met a party member who said that they joined um, the Liberal Party at a new members function because he heard me speaking on the television saying that, um we needed more members and encouraging people to get involved. And that was so encouraging to me. Um, so, you know, if 
spreading the word and encouraging people to get involved is stacking, then, you know, I suppose, you know, that that is someone's definition. But um, the definition of stacking is, you know, where you're paying for party memberships, That's where right. you're um, mm -hmm. putting people strategically in places uh, that, you know, in order to influence uh, AGM or pre-selection. Well, that's not even possible in Victoria. Our constitution's quite uh, strict, but AGM outcomes, um, and that's certainly something that I've never been interested in. Yeah, this is really good, Karina, and, and thank you for um, explaining the difference between recruiting and branch stacking. And branch stacking is probably illegal, I think. If it's not, it should be, and that's where someone pays someone's membership uh, so that they can join a branch and, and then they can sort of control the numbers or manipulate that person's vote. Uh, but when... But, you know, and I've seen this in, in all political parties over many, many years. Um, recruiting is something which is done all the time uh, and should be done because you want people to join political parties and participate uh, in grassroots democracy. And, and the, the basis of that in our system is, is with a political party or you can, you know, uh, be an independent if you like. But uh, it's the two main parties that are the parties of government in, in the states and territories. And they should be driven by the grassroots by interested citizens who join up, get involved, vote, uh, vote in pre-selections and, and volunteer. And, and, and that's, of course, what you've been encouraging people to do over many years. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll continue to do so regardless because um, I do want to see the Labor Party defeated, uh, not for um, just my generation's sake, but for my the sake of my children and generations to come. It's so devastating and I think it's no more apparent how devastating a Labor government can be uh, in Victoria. And, and I suppose you're yeah. experiencing the same there in Queensland right now. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Now, Karina, I, I want to leave all the, the intrigue, you know, if people want to um, look at, you know, the, the machinations that have been going on, they can Google you and, and look at John Ferguson's articles from The Australian <laughs> and the like, and they can take them with a grain of salt. But uh, I think the fact that, um, you know, that's, Many of the accusations that he's made haven't come true against key people in the Liberal Party, like um, uh, you know Kevin Andrews, is a great uh, elder statesman of the the party, and I, and I could go on. And, and and sure, there's probably been some things that have gone on that haven't been good. Factionalism's not a not a good thing in any party, and I don't encourage that. I think um, let's have open democracy and have people getting involved and playing by the rules and doing things for the right reason. But the thing that um, intrigued me in all of the media reporting about you is that every time you were mentioned, you were mentioned um, as someone who had anti-gay views or was homophobic or was a Christian soldier. Now, these were pejorative terms, which I think there was something bigger at play here to try and demean you and to try and make it look odd or silly for people with, you know, mainstream views about marriage between a man and a woman being involved in politics. Um, that's how it seemed to me, like a, a form of soft persecution. Absolutely. And that's, I suppose, the most saddening thing of all. And I, I noted the comments under the article that a lot of people were saying whether they were Christian or not, like, is this where our country is at, that um, you can be labelled a hard right person just because you are a person of faith, which I find, you know, quite incredible. I mean, I've worked for legal aid, I've volunteered overseas, um, you know, if that's hard right, well, what is, maybe in Victoria, maybe it is in Victoria. Um, but it, again, my husband was quite impressed actually when, um, you know, one of the initial comments in an Australian article was that um, I uh, believed in the Holy Bible 
and that I followed Jesus. He said, oh, we should get that framed. That's a really good testimony. What, what better testimony would anyone want? And it's in the newspaper. So um, it, it has been interesting, but a lot of the things, and it has been quite shocking, those articles. It's just that one particular journalist that you mentioned that keeps um, writing about me, no one really else. Um, he was saying that there were secret tapes, but there were no quotes from That's tapes. Right. An apparent in quotation marks, a quotation that it seemed to appear that it was coming from me saying that, um, you know, we only are pre-selecting conservative types, not Christians, uh, but there's no source of that. Um, yeah. It was pretty sloppy journalism. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and thanks for, I've been in a bit of a rush today, so I haven't prepared as well as I should have for our interview, but but. You're quite right. When I saw the first article, it said that there's secret tapes of Karina mm. Ocatel. Um, he didn't quote from them. And then the follow-up article came, I think, in the Weekend Australian. Again, there was no smoking gun. It was just all innuendo, smear, um, trying to make you look like some sort of a weirdo because you believe in the Holy Bible and follow Jesus. And, you know, they said you're homophobic and anti-gay, but hey, maybe that's because you shared a platform with me at the National Press Club where we spoke in favour of marriage between a man and a woman. But, heck, five million Australians voted with us. Uh, you know, this is just really shoddy journalism. It's not even journalism. It's designed to stigmatise people like you and I uh, and millions of others of Australians who have mainstream views and who want to get involved in politics. Yeah, absolutely. It is It is really sad, and especially to see that coming from what has been sort of a... A mainstream um, paper. The oh, I love the It's my favourite paper. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's quite disappointing. How does reporting like that affect others like you uh, who are mm. wanting to get involved in Liberal Party politics? Is it putting people off getting involved? Oh, look, um, I've been contacted by so many party members expressing you know, their disappointment with that sort of media reporting. Um, people also wondering if it's worthwhile getting involved, is, if this is, you know, particularly people who are Christians saying, you know, if this is how Christians are treated, which is, you know, really um, not a good, I suppose, uh, image to be out there um, because the Liberal Party is certainly an inclusive party, welcomes people of all backgrounds, so long as... Um, you share our values. Of course, we don't want people who are going to come in and promote Labor Party values or um, Greens policy in the Liberal Party, but um, those who share our values regardless of any other attribute um, are absolutely welcome. I mean, you look at our founder of our Liberal Party, Sir Robert Menzies, he was a Christian. Oh, so it's, um, yeah, really disappointing that people who, you know, continue the faith um, within the party might be painted as someone who's a nutty or nutter, um, or something like that by a newspaper. Well, well, that's right. I'm glad you mentioned that because I've read some of um, Robert Menzies, Sir Robert Menzies' uh, forgotten speeches published by the Menzies Research Institute, which is the Liberal Party's think tank. And, and in those speeches, it's very clear that Menzies was a man of faith. He, he says that uh, a man's most important relationship is with his maker. Um, forgive the sexist language, but that's the language Menzies used. Um, he he opened the Bible Society's office in Canberra, gave a great speech there, and he stood up for the traditional family uh, against Marxism, which tried to bring down bourgeois marriage. And these are the terms that Menzies used in his speech defending marriage. So 
you know, for you to be painted as some sort of a an oddity by the Australian newspaper, uh, it's just it's just outrageous and disgraceful. And clearly, this is being briefed out against you. You don't, you don't have to comment on that, but that's my observation that um, certain people within the party would be briefing the journalists to this effect. You don't have to answer that question, but <laughs> I, I think that's uh, self-evident. Uh, Karina, um, um, I guess where, where does this leave you now? Um, is there some sort of investigation or process going on? Yeah, absolutely. And that's, you know, really, um, I suppose it has been uh, long overdue, so it's exciting to see from my perspective, it's exciting to see action being taken in terms of an investigation into branch stacking because that isn't um, the right thing to do to, uh, you know, pay for people's memberships to, um, you know, try and game uh, vote outcomes in that way. Uh, other issues as well, which I probably can't go yeah, into. No, that's fine. Yeah. <laughs> as well. Uh, that that is something that, you know, I certainly am heartened to see happening within the Liberal Party that uh, it's not something like in the Labor Party where it's just swept under the rug and people are just going to ignore it. Um, yep. You know, in the Adam Somirek situation, you know, he resigns from the Labor Party and then they've dealt with that issue. Well, no, um, Adam Somirek would be just one person in that whole um, piece of the puzzle yeah. of branch stacking. It's a whole, you know, machine that they would have had operating but um, no, it's that's right. And, and to be clear, Adam Somirek, uh, the Labor Party minister in the Andrews government, uh, who's now resigned in disgrace, he was paying people on an industrial mm -hmm. scale to be members. So, and, and there's certainly been no suggestion that that's um, been happening in the Victorian Liberal Party or that mm -hmm. you've been associated with that. Karina, um, our time is, uh, is gone, but uh, I just want to thank you for helping unpack that. I hope it hasn't put any of our audience off politics. You've got to be tough to be mm -hmm. involved. You're certainly tough and to have your name dragged through the national media like that, um, I think uh, is not an easy thing and I admire your courage and um, and thank you for coming and uh, and speaking so openly about this on the Lyle Show. Oh, no, thank you so much for having me. And, yeah, you know, it is a swamp. Um, there's no doubt about it. But unless good people get involved and stand up, it's going to continue to be that way. So I just keep encouraging people, you know, get involved, get involved, please. We need your help. <laughs> Well, thanks, Karina. That was brilliantly said, and that's a great note for us to go out on today. Uh, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to the Lyle Shelton Show today, whether you're watching on video or podcast. It's been great to have your company. I'd like to thank uh, Dave Pellow and uh, his volunteer production team uh, for helping produce this show um, and, and really encourage everyone to get behind the Good Source News. It's creating a platform for people like me and Karina to uh, get uh, alternative commentary out there that, that is not in the mainstream media. So thanks again for your company. Thanks for being with us. And please tune in again next week for The Lyle Shelton Show on The Good Source News. Goodbye. The Lyle Shelton Show is a production of The Good Source, hosted by Lyle Shelton. To watch, listen to, or read more content without the SJW PC fact filter, visit goodsource.news, good, S-A-U-C-E dot news. Become a Good Source supporter for exclusive access to live and unedited interview recordings, including the conversations before and after the show.